those that, that are generating the most appointments, that those that are generating the most interactions with their customer have a company-wide, a holistic view on engaging with customers. You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insights series, where James Robert Lay interviews the industry's top marketing, sales, and fintech leaders, sharing practical wisdom to exponentially elevate you and your team. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello. I am James Robert Lay, and welcome to the 169th episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, and I'm excited to welcome Nick Barnes to the show. Nick is the Practice Director of Financial Services at Journey, an experiential relationship management platform for scheduling and managing personalized experiences at scale. Now, I connected with Nick through Tom Novak, who is the VP Chief Digital Officer at Visions Federal Credit Union, and Tom was also a guest in episode 163, which I highly recommend that you go back and listen to because it's going to connect some of the dots of what we'll be discussing together here today, Nick. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, James. Lovely to be with you. Before we get into the conversation talking about experience and appointment scheduling and video, what are you really excited about right now? Personally, professionally, it's always your pick to get started. Thank you. Yeah, great question. And I think from the outset, there's been a lot of focus, um, and rightly so, in, in the financial services industry on the consumer, the customer, the member. And what I found particularly um, interesting and significant over the last couple of years has been the uh, time and devotion spent to improving the, the staff members' uh, experience here. So mm. there's, there's an equal bidding, if you like, for, uh, for, for, for the importance of that experience for both the customer but also the staff member themselves. So uh, that's particularly exciting. I want to I want to dive into that because it's been probably the biggest awareness. People have asked me now, you know, if you could go back and, and rewrite or update Baking on Digital Growth, um, what would you change in your book? Uh, because I started writing Banking on Digital Growth in May of 2019. It published in May of 2020. And I felt really good, like 85, 90% was like spot on. The one thing that I would go back and update, and I was like, I'm not going to update the book. I'm just going to write a whole new book uh, to, to really address this subject about the EX, the employee experience. What would you say has been probably the biggest aha moment there because I think up to that point I was writing and thinking about the digital experience and humanizing the the digital experience the customer experience the member experience but I wasn't thinking myself even about the employee experience and how all of this plays into transformation because a positive employee experience will lead to a positive human experience that can be delivered through a positive digital experience let's roll this back a little bit what are your take what's your take on the employee experience and how all of this fits together to create just a, an overall positive experience, both internally and externally. Yeah, 100%. I think um, from the outset, you, you make a, a, a good point there, which is 
if you have an engaged, content customer that you're meeting their needs, that's only one part of what is an overall experience for them. And one thing that we have really noted and seen throughout, actually has been highlighted from the pandemic, but scratching at the surface before that, was the, the knowledge, the strength, and how much a part of that whole process, that, that experience for the customer, the staff member was. They were integral to that whole experience. And I would say that the significant part of this has been the, the development and in, ingraining of an appointment culture. And mm. so what we saw post-pandemic, and that's going to come up a lot today because we talk a lot about what the pandemic did, it accelerated. It, this, this was already in a trajectory, but it's been accelerated. However, there has been some changes that, that have affected everyone. And in particular, the staff member, the colleague, their experience of this, they have truly embraced uh, and won't, look, won't go back to not having an appointment culture. They, it, it governs their day. They feel more prepared. Um, you know your customer routines are... Uh, are crisp and concise and throughout that the customer gets a better experience and the point i'd make here the overall point is the client experience plus an improved staff experience come together to create much better business outcomes and therefore you can really grow lifetime value and whatever the data points are that you're looking to from there Absolutely. And and I love this idea of an appointment culture because I've been talking about this and making recommendations for appointment scheduling going back five, six, seven years when it was real, still a rel- relatively new idea in financial services. And at that time, I, I would be getting a lot of pushback for multiple reasons, but the pandemic, to your point, accelerated so much of this. And we're going to get into that pushback in, in, in just a bit, because um, I always like to get into the why. Why why, why is there pushback when introducing new ideas, new thinking, new tools? But first, what are some of the, what I would call the elements that make up a strong appointment culture to use your words here yeah absolutely so for me it's about engagement it's about how engaged the customers are how intuitive it is for them to use it's about how engaged the staff member is and how much they want to focus on the customer need it's a it's it's a a corporate or company-wide culture that culture is one of looking ahead it's a proactive outreach and actually Across all of our data sets, across our aggregate pool of information, we see that those that, that are generating the most appointments, that those that are generating most interactions with their customer have a company-wide, a holistic view on engaging with customers, making you know low-touch digital experiences as quick and easy as possible, click here, sign here, move on but also making the the high touch, the high value, the one-to-one advisory space um, as as experiential as possible. And so we really do see that you're you're covering a spectrum of of sort of touch points there. One point I'd note, and as we record this this podcast today, I literally heard last week uh, the, the, the chairman of Bank of America talking about something in the region of two-plus billion digital interactions in Q4 of 2021 alone. If you think about that for just one second, quite how much 
uh, opportunity, quite how much engagement you can take from that at varying levels of interaction. It makes the mind really get quite excited about the, the, where this is heading. I like the idea and the way that you frame this is engagement, both from a customer or a member perspective, as well as from an employee. And it's about bridging the best of both worlds here. From our experience over the years, we have seen the the faster you can get prospect, a prospective customer, prospective member in touch with another human being on the financial brand side, the higher propensity that there is for conversion. And and that's just on the marketing and sales side of the of the journey. Then there's the sales transitioning into the service, the retention, uh, that whole piece of the pie. I'm, I'm curious, what are some of the reasons that appointment scheduling or a culture of appointment scheduling falls short? You know, we, we, we can adopt the tool, but unless we have the cultural buy-in, then the future becomes the predictable past informed by behaviors in the present moment. It's a great question. And it's something I've pondered a lot over the years. I've, I've you know, been doing this quite a few years now. And I feel that Personally, it's that appointments don't necessarily have a natural home. They can fall into a number of different buckets. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it a more digital initiatives project? Is it more of a, you know, a, a retail initiative? Is it uh, an IT problem? Is, you know, and then you have the various different use cases within the business lines that make up any given financial institution, from retail to business to wealth to advisory and so on. Right. And so I don't always feel it's had a natural home of where it belongs. I think coupled with that, there is sometimes an impression that scheduling is straightforward. Mm. Uh, you know, how hard could it be? It's, you know, we book a meeting with someone all day, every day, but it's not a meeting. It's an appointment. It's an engagement. It's an opportunity to sell. And where we see the biggest growth across all of our customer base, where we see, frankly, the customers that have nailed it, it's where they are sales-led, initiative-led. They are reaching out. It's a pro. Some of our customers, in some cases, are three three quarters to 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 eighty percent of their uh, appointment volume comes from. Staff members reaching out to customers, reacting to life events or life changes, be it the sort of personalization at scale mantra where you're, you're really looking at, uh, you've got kids that are graduating from college, you've just had a new arrival, you know, or you are going through different changes in life that mean that you're looking for some kind of change to your financial situation. What we do see as well from the data, and this is one of the uh, slight conundrums that we see, a growth in virtual or video appointments, video interaction, but at the same time, a growth in the need and desire for one-to-one human sort of advisory uh, interactions. And that's reflected across the, the, the 10 branch credit union right through to the 3,000 branch, you know, uh, full service uh, coast-to-coast bank. Great point on the video side of things, because I know that a recent study from Vonage found consumers are using video calls to communicate with businesses 67% more than they were a year ago. And once again, like appointment scheduling, I've been advocating to build in video comms as part of a financial brand's sales and service strategy uh, and, and video 
I think was primarily in a great point about not having a home in in this appointment scheduling side of things because I think video historically was viewed as a marketing activity but now it's an augmentation to the sales and service experience so what are those opportunities to make video an even bigger part of the sales and service experience in conjunction with appointment scheduling because I think it's like peanut butter and jelly they just they go hand in hand together perfect exactly that and then again within that spectrum of that interaction it could be an instant call center contact center 24-hour banking appointment meet with me now i'll quickly you know jump on a call with you we'll talk you through it and some of the other technologies that come come hand in hand with that right so co-browsing some of the conversational technologies the ability to quickly meet and meet with someone uh, authenticate do the ID check and, and move forward. I have a problem and I need help now versus I think where you're going with this. Exactly. And, and, and this is the reactive, proactive balance that you want to get right. And as I said, like 80% in some cases is a proactive interaction. However, you and I are both consumers. We've probably dealt with our banks a lot over the years. And if you want to get hold of someone about something as important about your finance, your tolerance for waiting, your tolerance for clicking, your tolerance for fumbling around trying to find advice or the answer that you need to settle what is ordinarily a very important or emotive decision when it comes to your finances. So it's choice, gents. Mm-hmm. It's the ability to offer choice. We talk, you know, one of the, you mentioned you've been, you've been sort of uh, um, prolific on your, your sort of predictions on growth over time over the last four, five, six years in talking about this subject. And actually, some of the customers that we see, some of our customers at Journey that we see are, uh, are really leading the space here have been working at the appointment scheduling piece for four or five years. Absolutely. <laughs> growing the omni-channel engagement piece, but now moving that on. Conversational technologies, as I mentioned, those one-to-one experiences, how do you bring even more to that? How do you cater for what is a diverse group of of, of stakeholders from the out-of-network, out-of-branch, remote customers that, uh, frankly, you know, it's a lifeline to them being able to do banking on their mobile phone. Yes. To the to the wealth management sort of advisory, you know, pensions, insurance space where you want to kind of look into the eyes of who you're talking to and really build a relationship. A really exciting time. Yeah, there was a fantastic video years ago. It's got to be at least eight to ten at this point from Umqua Bank that showed kind of their vision for the future of banking. And a lot of it was involved to the scheduling side of things, to the video side of things, be able to connect via mobile device through video so that I could get that, you know, face to face via screen to screen. Um, and I remember showing that at board sessions at executive sessions, at conferences, at training uh, events. And it was almost met with, uh, yeah, right. Like, that's not going to happen. And I'm like, just no, it is going to happen. And those, to your point, who have been at it for four, four, five, six, seven years, they built that foundation, and now they're able to scale and move further, farther, faster. 
I want to come back to this point on video and the employee experience and get your take on this because Mm -hmm. I do believe that that proactive outreach is a fantastic way to get appointments scheduled because think about it. And I literally was just having this conversation recently with a financial brand in our coaching program. And we were talking about, I was like, when was the last time that your branch manager sent or your loan officer sent a proactive outreach to your account holders and it looked like it was coming from him and this is where automation can bridge some of that gap right there so that they can you know to use the words of izzy sharp from four seasons automate the predictable so that we can spend more time humanizing the exceptional i'm a branch manager i'm a loan officer i'm used to this face-to-face real world experience but i know the importance of video but i'm intimidated by video how can we maybe put their minds at ease of saying you can do this? Because I do think it's a little bit of a different skill set um, to get comfortable looking into the to the eye of the camera um, and and not having a person in front of you but a camera. How can we help make people feel a little bit more comfortable with that experience? Absolutely, and that that's a really good point. You, the whole point of this, or the tone of this, is humanizing, humanizing the digital. But what a lot of work goes into making that a seamless experience, and whatever channel you're hopping from across, whatever entry points, whatever your call to actions are, it's about making that a seamless experience. Mm. And so, some of the pioneers of this, U.S. Bank. HSBC, M&T Bank, they've been doing this a long time. They've grown a very large, significant, prominent appointment culture throughout their organization. And that's been from a continual feedback loop with the customer, from tagging any kind of entry point or, you know, websites of any nature, from uh, doing, uh, making it seamless to be able to carry out um, What's known as uh, there's there's a way of sort of sampling, um, basically having a continual survey throughout your experience. And so U.S. Bank's great at this. That it's called persistent feedback. And so at any one point, you're able to basically say, "I'm happy, not happy, indifferent. Here's a suggestion, whatever it may be about that." And so they've eased their customer into this. Mm. The other item I've seen here as well, which is Quite interesting if you think about the concept of virtual locations, but we've actually seen video appointments being carried out from bank branches. Yes. And so with with you know library in the background, with with the branding, with the correct know your customer routines, with the ability to do identity checks, much easier now. But there are some stats. And to, to your question around how have you embedded customers into this? Well, Again, think about it as in the customer benefits from an engaged staff member, from an efficient staff member. So virtual appointments across our aggregate data set are now 6% of all appointments, up from 1%, just 1% 12 months ago. Wow. 35% of all of our appointments offer new products or services. Virtual appointments take on average half the time the same appointment took in person and so if you just think about some of those the the, the 500 percent increase in in virtual usage if you think about the the 75 percent increase in new products and services there and if you think about that time saving those efficiencies 
all of that translates through into a much better experience for customers. Quite often, you want to, as we mentioned previously, you want to quickly jump onto a call and solve your problem when you have a need. Likewise, through integrating through CRMs, through workforce management systems, we're able to bring into a, 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 a proactive outreach from the banker, from the, 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 the advisor, to, to really bring in a lot of context to that customer. And so I spoke earlier about uh, allowing for or, or catering for life, life events. And so that use of prediction, that sort of almost just in time, but, but reacting to, to, to life events is, is a really good way of reaching out to your customer because it is personalization at scale. Yes. If the customer feels you know them, I'm a, I'm a consumer, as I've mentioned before, I, I take no offense to my bank reaching out to me based on my, my sort of situation, if you like, be it mortgage lending or college funds or whatever it may be. It, I, I take that as a, as a sign of strength, as a sign of relationship. Absolutely. And that ability there, that's what we've seen. But that we talk about these um, you know, torchbearers of the appointment scheduling industry. Those have found a way to really tap into the customers, to, if you like, the metadata around their customers, and then use that candidly as a sales program, sure. right? The ability to, to grow lifetime value, to grow engagement, to enhance product, products and services, and cross-sell across those different business lines. And so that targeted sort of approach, not too heavy, but based on fact, based on the, the, the sort of metadata, as I mentioned, really does come across well to a customer that feels you're engaged with them, you, you know them, uh, and you share the same value. Digital growth is a journey from good to great, but sometimes this journey can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming. The good news is you don't have to take this journey alone because now you can join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs who are all learning, collaborating, and growing together. Visit digitalgrowth.com insider to learn more about how you can join the Digital Growth Insider community to maximize your future digital growth potential. Now, back to the show. I think it's that idea of being proactive and doing the outreach as opposed to being reactive is what's going to differentiate financial brands. Those winners over the next five to 10 years will build that proactive piece of this element into their culture as opposed to being reactive because any relationship that you don't hear from you're like, do I not matter to them? That's where things, I think, begin to become more transactional, where the opportunity is to really be transformational, helping first and, and then selling second. We're going to come back to that point here in a bit because we, we've talked a little bit about appointment scheduling. We've talked a little bit about video uh, and experience, but in a journey article that, that was posted, uh, it was noted that a top 10 bank in the U.S., reduced their appointment length by half by using virtual appointments. So I'm curious, what happens to the branch going forward into the future? Because if we can do all of this virtually, then I'm like, well, maybe Brett King was right. Brett, Brett, uh, branch today, gone tomorrow. So what's your take on, on this going forward into the future around physical branches? 
Yeah, and 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 you know, respectfully to, to Brett, the, the data does not support that argument. So yes, there has been a reduction in the physical footprint. But actually, if you look at it statistically, there has not been a reduction in uh, that equals that in terms of the number of staff, in terms of the number of colleagues. And that's because a number of reasons. There's a lot of knowledge based on that. There's a lot of trust. But the, what the pandemic really did was shine a spotlight on quite how much community banking, for example, was an integral part of the community. Sounds obvious, but this is where credit unions, and frankly, banks can take a leaf out of credit unions book here. It's about the member experience. Mm. And so, you know, with that in mind, we've not seen a reduction in the number of staff members. What we have seen is a transition from, if you like, rehoming or re relocating those staff members into virtual settings. Yes. And so they could be based in all four corners of a time zone. They could be based in multiple different time zones. But it's been that ability to absorb what are 95% of all physical, bank, you know, anything you can carry out in a branch, you can actually do online now. But it's that knowledge, it's that trust, it's that human experience. Again, you talk about humanizing digital. That's people. That's knowledge. I, you know, I've banked with the same bank for 24 plus years. And there's a number of reasons for that. There may be one that pays better savings rates. There may be one that offers additional products and services. But I have a trust, I have a relationship with them. They've advised me on many important points of my life. And I think we, we need to factor in that that human component yes. to branches, to banks. And so, you know, we work with some of the largest banks throughout the world, and in particular here in the USA. And ultimately, yes, they are reducing their branch footprint, but they're not reducing their, their, their commitment through colleagues to the customers. I And I agree with that. And that's one of the reasons that I encourage financial brands to read Banking on Digital Growth, not just from the lens of marketing, but from the lens of marketing, sales, and service. I, I even had the SVP of retail uh, of a multi-billion dollar community organization. Um, I was doing a workshop with them, and we had a break, and he came up to me at the break. He said, I just want to tell you, I didn't want to read your book. I, I didn't. I didn't think that it would be uh, would be anything that I would gain from it. And I said, "Well, I appreciate the the honesty and the feedback." He said, "But, but no, you 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 transformed my thinking. You gave me hope for my team that people are still going to be needed going forward into the future." I said, "Absolutely." And I said, "I think even more so." If, if we're wanting to truly commit to put the transformation of people over the commoditized transaction of dollars and cents, the only way that that transformation is going to happen is with a human component. We can have the best apps in the world. We can put AI and recommendation engines in those apps. But if we're wanting to establish positive behavior change, that leads to a bigger, better, brighter financial future for our account holders, for our members. The human element comes into play because 
it's the human element where we get that accountability. It's the human element that we get that deep level expertise. That can all be augmented with automation, with AI, with technology, with recommendation engines. But I still do believe it is the people factor that come in here. I want to I want to pull up to a high level, and Nick, this has been a great conversation. Pull up to a high level as we as we start to wrap up. I, I read in a, a Journey article that fifty nine percent of customers think it will be faster to speak to a specialist if they schedule an appointment online. And we're seeing those trends play out from an experiential standpoint as well. Looking ahead towards the future of financial brands optimizing their experiences, what do you feel are the biggest opportunities available for them to either create something new or capitalize on a strength that they already have going forward? Absolutely. And I've I've sort of written a few articles on this as we're looking at the future state here. And I think one interesting area to to, to sort of remember here is is that when we're dealing with a spectrum of consumers, of members, there are obviously priorities amongst those groups, differing priorities. So for some generations, it's, it's a physical trust thing. Uh, for, for some generations, it's about sharing values. However, the important point here is about knowing your customer. I mean, there, there, there are knowing your customer routines already out there, but this is taking it to a whole new level. And so for us, that, 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 that aspect of making sure you have the trust, having an advisor in front of uh, you know, uh, uh, your members at any one point, you can do a lot online. You can do a lot through these sort of, as I mentioned, low touch points. You can open a checking account, you can get a credit card. But humans, society uh, around the world have not moved on from human trust when it comes to important decisions along with their, you know, such as their finances. So looking forward, you know, we really, it's it's an unrelenting focus on customer satisfaction. But that comes with being adaptable, right? So it's satisfaction through adaptability. How do you uh, respond at any one point to your customer. How do you use data to really target, to, to do what we call hyper-personalization? So the ability to really reach out at the right point, at the right moment, with suggested ideas and products. When we sort of look at this online versus in-person, I, I, I think actually that's just too binary. Mm. It, it, it's, it's, it, there really is a, a, a blend here. Right? We, we should be looking at Whatever the choice of the customer is, allow for it all. I've been speaking about hybrid banking since the pandemic came about, not not trying to claim, uh, you know, being the first to talk about that. But what I mean by that is it's always seemed to me that the centrist position on this is the right way forward because then you're catering for everyone. It's not a one. It's not an other. It's the best of blending the both worlds together. And I think it's, you know, we can learn a lot from the old book series, choose your own adventure back in the (laughs) 1980s to where you would read and you would pick, well, I want to go this way. or I want to go this way because it does come down to the individual choosing their own adventure of how they want to 
connect with another human being. And the more that we can empower those decisions, the better off the experience will be. I want to flip that question around and and not just look only at the opportunities, but maybe what is the big roadblock? What's the challenge that that financial brands must be aware of when it comes to this idea of appointment scheduling and video? What What's one thing that could hold them back from capitalizing on the opportunities that are available to them? Yeah, and that, that I think, out of everything, is a, is a particularly insightful question because, and I've mentioned before, one of the, the, the sort of areas that, that I guess has restricted the, the growth of appointment schedule over the years has been where does it live? You know, what, what home does it have? And yes. so this appointment culture, as I mentioned, the, 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 the organizations that are really, that are really setting, setting it alight with this, they have an ingrained appointment culture. They are, uh, you know, there are metrics, there are targets, there are, uh, you know, social factors to consider. One of our customers um, has been opening uh, branches or, or virtual locations that are focused on members of the community, whatever the member, you know, different areas of the community are. It's an unrelenting focus on the staff that serve those customers in those communities. And so I personally, I just think that until there is a, uh, an appointment culture ingrained, like any organization, you need a plan and you need to stick with it and see it through and, and adjust it where necessary. So to me, it's, it's structurally about embedding an appointment culture. It can be easily done though, as we see some real success stories from this and, you know, at recent events, at recent conferences, uh, at future branches in, in, in Austin, for example, recently, mm-hmm. the entire uh, 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 attendees there, every single one of them spoke in our conversations around the next uh, uh, appointment, uh, the next need, which is appointment setting. Yes. And so I think it's, it's, it's upon us. I, yeah. I do honestly think it is. I do agree with you. This idea of strategy um, is so critical because I've seen, and, and this is just digital transformation as a whole. It, there's a reason that 60 to 85% of digital transformation initiatives fail, regardless of what the tech is. And it's my belief that it's because we forget the human element of who's having to deploy this transformation internally. Do they have the clarity? Do they have the awareness? Do they have the understanding of why we're doing this in the first place, number one? And then number two, what's my role in this? And is my is my job, is it safe? Am I going to be displaced? And the more that we can... I would say not just think strategy, but also just training education to help the unaware become aware of the potential future opportunities and speak into that while addressing some of their concerns. It'll put their minds at ease. And that's a repeated pattern that I hear time and time again through the training and the education and the coaching that we're doing here. So, uh, Nick, I always like to end on a very practical question for the dear listener to set them on their next steps on their own journey of growth, if you will, what is one thing that they can do very practically, very simple to move forward and make progress? Because all change that leads to future transformation, that leads to future growth begins with a very small, simple step. What would that one thing be that you would recommend for them to do next? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Slightly tricky one as well. I, I guess I, I've 
probably quote my boss to you, who says to me, Nick, I want you to delight our customers. And I think that when we talk about an appointment culture, when we talk about knowing your customer, when we talk about driving business outcomes and improving business outcomes, it really does start and finish with delighting your customer. And what you will find is that an appointment culture delights your customer, delights your staff member, and will delight your CFO because your business outcomes will improve. You are focused on the customer, you are focused on efficiencies, and both of those come together to help the bottom line. And so to me, it, it, that unrelenting focus on customers allows everything else to cascade down from there to, to a positive outcome. Rewind that back for me, because I think that's the key right there. When you delight your customers, what's the effect that that has? Those three areas, your customer and then who else? Your staff member and your CFO. That's it. Uh, or, or, or the, uh, yeah, absolutely. The bottom line, top line, everything's improved as a result. And I know that sounds simplistic, but it's just fact. It's fact because we see whether it's new products and services, whether it's increasing lifetime value, whether it's increasing NPS scores, all of those metrics go up with an appointment culture. Because when you put people at the center of all of your thinking and all of your doing and then the optimizations that can come from it because I think it's important to come back to how we define experience here at the Digital Growth Institute. Experiences are well-defined systems and processes that have been strategically thought out, number one. Number two, applied. And then the key is number three, optimized over time resulting in hopefully positive emotions that then just continue to get that flywheel going and we can keep making uh, good experiences back to your point nick that delight customers great conversation with you nick what is the best way for someone to reach out and say hello to you to continue the conversation that we we started here today absolutely and thank you for that and it's been a pleasure talking with you journey.com jrni.com uh you can find our blogs our articles data sheets the full gamut on uh, what journey does and what it offers and, uh, you know, we'd be very happy to speak more about this. We're very I, passionate about uh, the benefits of uh, appointment culture. I also want to give a shout out as well uh, for the experience evolution since you've got an audience, a global audience here of, of podcast listeners can you can you give a little bit of context for the Experience Evolution podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, so we um, we we periodically speak to uh, you know, prominent figures within the industry. Um, we review uh, any of the trends. We we look at our aggregate data sets. We review um, the, the the outcomes that come from initiatives, and it's just a nice way to, as we are today, to talk about. What are exciting times in, in, in an industry that's historically been underserved uh, in, in all of these areas? So it's really just about, as we say, it's an evolution. And, and that's, to your point just a moment ago, we look at continual improvement. If you're still, you're going backwards, you have to keep moving forward. You have to keep delighting your customers. If you do that, then hopefully, or ultimately, things will, uh, will always be okay. That's exactly right. Well, Nick, thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. This has been a lot of fun today. 
Absolute pleasure. Thank you for your time. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and make your bed. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. To get even more practical and proven insights along with coaching and guidance, visit digitalgrowth.com insider to join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs. Until next time, be well and do good.